Well, I don't know if you, um, I don't, I, I don't know. I hope you do, but I don't know if you fully can take in or understand what we were just singing about. I mean, we were singing about being children of God, and we talked about and we're, uh, Romans chapter eight. We're in the middle of Romans chapter eight, and in Romans eight. We have this word. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not fall, or you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Paul will go on to say in chapter 9 that his heart breaks. Here's what I'm saying. Do you have any Jewish people here? We might, but apparently not. I see uh, Gentiles. I see non-Jews. Do you realize what a gift this is to be able to say to God that he is our daddy, our father. Uh, it turns to Romans 9. I don't know what the Lord's going to do, do with this right now because I had no plan to talk about this, but turn to Romans 9. Look at what Paul says about this. He's in, he is a Jew, and he is just beside himself because his people are not coming to Christ, and he's been thrown out of synagogue after synagogue after synagogue. And he's well into his ministry here when he writes the the, uh, letter to the Romans. He says this in in the first verse of chapter 9. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. He says that because he's emotionally involved here. He's like, I'm speaking the truth. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my bro- brothers, my kinsmen by race. He's a Jew. And he's always going from one synagogue to another. And what happens when he goes to the synagogue? They throw him out and he goes to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles receive it. It's an amazing story. He says in verse 4, they are Israelites. To them belong the adoption. And they're the ones who were first adopted into God's family. They're the ones who should be receiving this. He said to them belong the adoption, the glory, the giving of the law, the worship. I would just, just experience some incredible music. I hope your hearts were just lifted up, worshiping God. And, you know, that belongs to Israel. That should be Israel who's doing that, Paul's saying. Israel should be entering into that. To them belong the worship and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Those are are their people. To them belong the patriarchs. And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ. Jesus Christ is Jewish, right? who is God overall. 
blessed forever. Amen. So sitting over here, I was listening to this music, and I was saying to myself, wow, I can't believe that we as Gentiles have this gift of praising God, that we are, that we are not just praising God, but praising God as his children. And I really believe the Lord was saying to me, tell the congregation, or at least ask the congregation if anyone wants to pray for Israel this morning. Israel is the one that should be receiving this message. Israel is the, they're the people who should be engaged and fully engaged in this. Anyone here want to pray for Israel this morning? Want to lift up Israel? Would you pray with me, Ben? Father, we have received so much because of what a Jewish man named Jesus is also son of God. But a Jewish man named Jesus went to the cross for us. And you raised up another Jewish man named Paul to bring the world or bring the gospel to the world, to the Gentile people. We're all um, beneficiaries of this work that has happened 2,000 years ago. And God, the people that should be fully receiving this are the Jewish people. And so, Lord, we pray for the nation of Israel. We pray for all Jews in the world. We ask, Lord, that you would lift them up. We pray, Father, that there would be an end-time gathering of Jews. We pray, Father, that you would put the word in their mouth, the word in their heart, that there would be a transformation and a dynamic proclamation of the gospel through the Jewish people. Lord, the gospel rightfully belongs to them because you came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel in the person of Jesus. And so we pray, Lord, that you would indeed raise them up. You might have to, well, you've been bringing them down for 2,000 years. You've been humbling them for a long, long, long time. And we pray, Father, that you would lift them up Lord, and that now would be the time that in our lifetime that we would see many, many Jewish people come to Jesus. And that the, world, the word would be proclaimed throughout the world because of the great work among the Jewish people. I know that we have people in the church who specifically minister to Jewish people, particularly in Israel, but in other parts of the world. I pray, Father, that you would give them success in their ministries. Lord, You've called all of us to preach the gospel, but there's something about people who have been in that tree that we're not grafted in the way that we're grafted in, as Paul says in Romans. There's something about those who were were first in that tree that when they open their mouth to preach the truth and to teach the truth, there's 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 a power there there's kind of a, there's a it, it, that word from them silenced people. And I just ask Lord that you would do a great work through them. Lord, we lift them up today that may it be their ministry through, may, may you do your ministry through them, but may they take ownership of it. We're happy to be branches that have been grafted in. And we thank you that we can call you Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. We're so thankful that you've, you've included us. That the mystery that has been hidden for ages has now been revealed in bringing the Gentiles into your people. But we also pray, Lord, for that original group, those 
chosen people from long ago. And we are also chosen. That's a whole nother, whole nother time of, that's a different sermon. But we pray for those people, Lord, and ask that you would do a great work through them. And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, that doesn't leave me much time for a sermon. Not at all. Okay? Um, but I just really sense that the Lord wanted me to talk to you about that, to make... To make it's, it's a powerful thing that we have, uh, have some Gentiles up here singing songs about God being our Father. That shouldn't have happened, right? It, there's no way that should have happened. But it did. And God loves us. He loves us. It's not that Jewish people are better. It's not, not like that at all. It's not, that's not the point. It's just that we want God to bring the kingdom to fruition around us and in us. We want, it, we want people throughout the world to come to Jesus Christ. We want the whole world to be saved, right? We want the whole world to be saved. We'll let God take care of when he's coming back, right? We'll let him take care of that stuff. We just know we need to be ready, right? But in the meantime, we want everyone to come to Jesus Christ, okay? So let's see what I can do with this message in, uh, in a few minutes. Um, so let's pray. Father, bless this word. We ask that you would do great things in this word and just give me the wisdom to know how to walk through this uh, considering the uh, shorter amount of time this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so this morning is, is uh, we're, well, we're in the heart of Memorial Day weekend. And Memorial Day weekend is a very, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, like it's one of those sacred weekends for the nation. I thought I would begin this morning uh, by making a reference to Henry Cabot Lodge. Uh, he's a famous uh, U.S. representative. He's also ser- he served in Congress from 1893 to 1924. Uh, he served both in the House of Representatives and in the Senate, most of his time in the Senate. He was a Harvard historian, and uh, he's, he, was, he was also chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, and uh, he, he uh, opposed our involvement in the League of Nations. And we look at this and we go, wow, that's just ancient history now. Why are we talking about Henry Cabot Lodge? Well, um, this is Memorial Day weekend. And we want to honor uh, our history. Uh, Now, our history is really an interesting history, right? Because there's a lot of injustice in our history, right? There is. There's a lot of injustice in our history. And yet at the same time, we want to honor the fact that, that God has given us this nation. And we want to be good stewards of this nation. Well, anyway... Uh, Lodge said this in a quote. He said, um, "He said, beware how you trifle with your marvelous inheritance, this great land of ordered liberty. For if we stumble and fall, freedom and civilization everywhere will, will go down in ruin. Uh, Lodge believed that the United States was a very special place and he believed that we were called to be a leader. The nation was called to lead the world in various respects. But he really, really was, uh, had a heart for our resources. He wanted, he wanted uh, to use our resources. He was somewhat of an isolationist, so he didn't want to be involved in the League of Nations and so forth. Uh, we all know that we have received an inheritance. And that's the key word this morning, inheritance, because of Romans 8, 17. We'll get into that. Uh, we didn't earn 
our land. And someone could easily argue we took it, right? We took our land, so to speak. But nevertheless, we sit here today and we inherited uh, those things that, that came from those who went before us. Um, and and, and we, this thing, these things are a gift. And uh, for those of people that have fought to keep this nation free, um, those who served in the military, those who put their life on the line, we, I know we have at least one of those people in this room. And I want to thank you uh, for putting your life on the line for us. Um, there may be others. But nevertheless, um, I, I, just, I just think that's really important. Now, Lodge uses the word inheritance. You also notice he also highlighted in yellow. He uses these two words, ordered liberty. Uh, it's a very interesting phrase because if you think about order and liberty, those two, we, normally in our culture anyway, especially in our culture today, we don't think of those two going together. If you have something ordered, you've taken away freedom, right? That's how people think. But in reality, Lodge is saying, no, no, no. Good li liberty that is true, that is valuable, that will last, has to have order to it. Order liberty. For if we stumble and fall, freedom from, uh, and civilization everywhere will go down and ruin. Um, these are very interesting words. But I'm going to push on. I'm going to push on. I was going to talk about Paul a little bit here in Romans 13.1, but I'm going to do that. Let's talk about inheritance uh, this, this morning. Um, I'm going to go right here and read the, read the verse here. Uh, verses 14 through 17. Okay, Romans 8, 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, i.e. Romans 7, uh, chapter 7. We've talked about that. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So we are in the family, right? We're not people who are uh, filled with fear, that are, uh, that, that are at that place where we just can't seem to triumph over sin. No, we are in the family. God loves us, and God has empowered us to live a life. Hence, the Spirit of God, right? He witnesses with our spirit that we are children. Why? Because as we live in him and we obey him, then that, that voice continually comes to us. I love you. I'm with you. I'm your father. You're my son. You're my daughter. You see, as we continually live in him, we, we hear that word. And then verse 17. <clears throat> and if children, then heirs. So think the word inheritance. Then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, order that we may also be glorified with him. Uh, I am going to break down verse 17 uh, this morning a little bit, uh, but before to do that, let's ask this question about inheritance. What, what is the biblical view of inheritance? Uh, when people talk about inheritance, oftentimes they, they think in terms of getting lots of money, right? Do you remember, the, do you, are you familiar with the story of Leona Helmsley? Some of you? She died in 2007. See that dog with her right there? Cute little dog called Trouble. It was a Maltese. Right? She loved that dog. She left that dog out of her. She was a, uh, she was a billionaires. She left that dog $12 million. Okay? Now, I don't know. 
we could have used some of that money to do our parking lot over here, right? Actually, a, ju a judge brought it down to two million. And by the way, that 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 dog trouble, he he you know he left us not too long ago. So he's I don't know what happened to the money. But a lot of times people think of of money when it comes to inheritance. Uh, but you know. Um, Let's, let's, uh, let's think about what God himself inherits. Right? You think God needs money? God has a heritage. He has a heritage. And uh, I wanted to uh, go, I'm moving relatively quickly because of the lack of time, but, but if you, you know Deuteronomy at all, you know that it, it essentially is a commentary or an interpretation of the law that was given on Sinai. And, and in the beginning of the book, you get a history of, uh, a short history of Israel. And this is what we read in chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse 15. You know, and think a little bit about, be careful how you, how you uh, use your resources. Think Henry Cabot Lodge for a moment, but this is how these connect. Uh, Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully. Don't trifle with what you've been given, you see. Watch yourselves very carefully. Since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, that's Sinai, where the law and the covenant are given, at Horeb, out of the midst of the fire. Beware, lest you act corruptly by making carved image, a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure in the likeness of male or female. The likeness of any animal that is... Wait a minute. Yes, that's correct. The likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water under the earth. And beware, so be careful, right? Because you have a tendency to do these things. You came out of Egypt, by the way, so you have a tendency to do these things. Beware lest you raise your eyes to he heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the people under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you, and remember your history, know your history, know where you came from. The Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt. That was a bad place to be, friends, right? To be a people of his own own inheritance. See, the Lord has an inheritance. He has a heritage, if you will, right? As you are this day. And the word for inheritance in the Hebrew is nachala, which means possession, property. In other words, the people of Israel are God's. It's God's, it's God's people. In a sense, he owns them, right? This is, this is the idea, right? What is God's inheritance? Well, it's going to be people. In fact, if you go on in this passage, it's very interesting. We're, uh, and just a couple more slides here. I want to do this. Verse 21. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you. Now, this is Moses, right? The Lord was angry with Moses. So he's angry with me, he says, because of you. And he swore that I should not cross the Jordan, that I should not enter into the good land that the Lord your God's giving you for an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must go, not go over to the Jordan or over the Jordan, but you shall go over and take possession of this good land. Take care, lest, again, that whole thing of beware, be wary, right? Take care, be careful, take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. 
Now, you know, sometimes we just, we just kind of go over this too quickly. You know, what does it mean for God to be jealous? Well, what does it mean for someone to be jealous? What is jealousy? It's a very simple question, straightforward question. What is, je- what is jealousy? We always think of it in terms of maybe a husband and a wife, right? So a husband is jealous of his wife. What does that mean? Well, usually it means that the wife, and it could be the other way around, the wife's jealous of the husband. We'll, put that, we'll do it that way this morning. So the wife's jealous of the husband or for the husband. The husband is p- p- potentially playing around with another woman, right? She lawfully and rightly should have a sense of jealousy there because guess what? The husband belongs to her. She committed herself, or he committed himself to be in that marriage. And now he's doing what? He's committing adultery. He's getting too close to adultery, what have you. And so in a marriage relationship, there's a sense of ownership, rightly so. So that's the same thing with God. Now that's different than envy. People confuse envy all the time with this. This Envy, envy is, notice God is not an envious God. It's important to understand that. Envy means that we see something that we want, right? And we just start to lust for it, you know? I want to be like Leona Helmsley. I want to be a billionaire, you know? We start lusting for that stuff, whoever it would be. Um, I envy what someone else has. I envy what I envy what you have. I want to be like you so much. I just wish I was like you. I've got to be like you. See? God doesn't operate that way. God doesn't need to be like us in that sense. He's a jealous God. We are owned by him, but he's not an envy of us. I think that's an important distinction to make. I'm always making that distinction with people, but I think it's a really important one because people get confused by that. God is a jealous God. Now, in the New Testament, what happens? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flee from sexual immorality. Why? Because sexual immorality does what? It brings us into, it takes us to a place where we're owned by something else. Right? Something that, that, that should not be a part of our lives. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God, you've been given this gift. Don't go and unite yourself with someone you have no business being united to. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Right? So it's, it's Israel is the possession of God, and the church is the possession of God. You and I, if we have... have Receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We've surrendered our lives to him. We're God's. In a sense, everyone's God's anyway, right? In a sense. But people are li- most people are living in denial. They're just living in denial. But in reality, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for everyone. Right? So there's a sense in which he's bought everyone, but that doesn't mean that we're all submitting to him. Okay? Um, all right, so, so let's, let's, mo- let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay, if God has an inheritance, the question becomes, does Israel have an inheritance? Well, of course, he does. Of course Israel has an inheritance. What is Israel's inheritance? And I'm going to jump through this pretty quickly. If you go to Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 15, you read about Abraham, what do you discover? Look at the words highlighted in yellow here in verse 7 of chapter 12. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So God is an inheritance 
or has a heritage, it's probably more proper to say it that way, Israel also has a heritage. It has, a, it has an inheritance. To your offspring I will give this land. And we think of that, of course, as the holy land. Uh, look at verse, uh, look at Genesis 15. You'll see that. He re- repeats this when God makes a covenant with Abram. He says, to your offspring I will g- I give this land. And then he describes the land, okay, that we typically call the holy land today. Right? The holy, what is the holy land? It's the land that God gave to Abraham. Okay? All right? So they have, they have this, uh, th- this, this land, right, as inheritance. So think of the Old Testament this way. There's geographical movement. So when God creates our first parents, Adam and Eve, he gives them the Garden of Eden. All right. All right. That becomes theirs. That is essentially their heritage. That's the idea. Then what happens? God makes this promise to Abraham and his offspring, and they receive the holy land. A little bit more land, right? Bigger place than the Garden of Eden. At least I envision the Garden of Eden as being smaller. I'm not really sure. But nevertheless, you have this movement. Abraham and uh, his offspring, the holy land. Right? The problem is, you remember that Adam and Eve sinned, and what, did they, and what did God do? He moved them out of, the, out, of the, out of the Garden of Eden. Kicked them out, right? The problem is, is that when the Jews sin, what happens? What happens to that promised inheritance? Is, is God going to give them that land? And now we get into th- the top. I want you to be thinking about that, but we're not going to go into that. Okay, because that question is too big for this. Uh, Come to one of my classes, I suppose. But it's way too big. That's a huge topic. What is God's plan for the Jews and so forth? And of course, I prayed this morning for Israel. But, but th- that question always re- remains. <coughs> Excuse me. The question remains. <coughs> I need a glass of water, drink of water. <coughs> Will the Jews, despite their sin, ever enter into the promised land? Will they ever fully take possession of it, receive their promised inheritance? It's a great question for another time. Just wanted you to think about that. All right. So here's, here's the thing. This is pretty important because if you put it up on the screen I, with a different color, it probably means it might be worth writing down, maybe. Uh, at least I think it's important. <clears throat> the New Testament now reveals that the promise of land inheritance for racial Israel is a promise too small. For God's loving heart. You think about that for a moment. The promised land's great. I've been there. It's wonderful. I went, when I went and visited uh, Israel, I wanted to move there. I mean it. I had no way to move there. No one would pay me to be there. I had to support a family. It's a great place, right? But I'm telling you, it's a promise too small. For God's people. Um, the New Testament makes some changes. Now, think about this for a moment. In Jesus' ministry, what does he do? Remember this in the Beatitudes? He doesn't say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the Holy Land. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, that's everyone who is willing to humble themselves, who recognize that they have a need for God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is more dynamic. It's more dramatic. It's larger. It's filled with much greater joy than the holy land. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then check out 5.5, right? I love this verse. Blessed are the meek, those who don't push their own way in their relationships, but are willing to, God, willing to have God have his way. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the holy land. No, they shall inherit the earth, right? So we get some clues in the ministry of Jesus here that God's up to something new. God's up to something bigger. We have the Garden of Eden, and then we have the Holy Land, and now guess what? Guess what's going on in Jesus? We have something way bigger, the kingdom of heaven, the earth, this kind of thing, all right? So if God, here's the question. If God's own inheritance is God's people, what do you think that our inheritance uh, will be? What do you think? See? Go right back to Romans 8. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We're in the family. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We couldn't have a more personal emphasis upon relationship. We couldn't be, the relationship couldn't be more personal, right? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And here we go. And if children, a de techna, then heirs. And notice, those of you who have walked a little bit in Greek with me, you notice that that word is chi. It's like it follows, okay? So that's why they translate it then, which is appropriate. But and heirs. Veronomai. Heirs of God. Well, wait a minute. What's this heirs of God stuff? Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Do you see what's going on here? Garden, holy land, kingdom of God is good, kingdom of heaven, the earth. What's Paul talking about? You know what he's saying? Our inheritance is God himself. Hey, nothing else is going to satisfy I mean, can you imagine eternity being on the earth? Earth is great, right? Inheriting the earth. But can you imagine inheriting the earth, getting to go anywhere you want? You know, you don't even need airplanes. You just probably like, go, oh, I want to go to Hawaii and just kind of like, I don't know. I really don't know. Right? I see myself getting on a surfboard. I'm going to be a super surfer, right? Because I, I, I can't surf because when I, I remember when I went to Hawaii years ago with my kids, I was so stiff I couldn't get on the surfboard. I got on the surfboard, but I couldn't get up. Anyone here ever done that? It just if you're, When you're older, you're a little stiffer. And I just couldn't get myself up. But hey, you know what? I can see myself in the, in the new earth just having a great time on those waves if there is a sea. Revelation says there is no sea, but that's a whole other issue. But I can see myself doing it, right? Totally. It'd be so much fun, right? I, I can totally see that, see that happening. But you know what? It won't be enough. Because what I really long for and what you and I are made for, what we're designed for, is to be heirs of God himself. Heirs of God. That's why we started in Psalm 24 this morning. Who will ascend, right? 
Who will be able to go up to the hill? Who will be able to be in the very presence of God? And then he talks about character, clean hands, pure heart. This is who we are. This is who we are called to be. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This is where the message gets a little more difficult. Because there's this great promise to us. But there's a provision. And this is where many people in the church, many preachers in the church, just kind of walk past this real quickly. I I know they do this. Paul would warn us against that. Verse 17, if children, he's saying, of course you're children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided... It's actually, it's a pair. That little thing that looks like a P, that's some misspelling there in the Greek. It's, I messed up the Greek here because of that font, but don't worry about that. Provided. There's a condition. Now, we don't want to hear about that, but it's right there. Paul says, this great thing is yours, this great thing is mine, but there's a condition. Here's the condition. Provided we suffer with him, and notice I put up here, it's in the present active indicative. And what that means is that we have to continually suffer because it's, it's, it's a continuous action. We have to live in the midst of suffering. Anyone here been ever? Anyone here suffered this week, this last week? Any difficult times? Yes, I know about you. <laughs> yes, indeed, I know about you. Um, you have to make it through it you will because the Lord is with you. If you're experiencing any kind of difficulty, particularly any suffering related to being a Christian, oh my word, you have to make it through it and you will make it through it. You hold on to Jesus. But there it is. Provided we suffer with him. Present act indicative. In order that we may also be glorified with him. The glorification here is in the passive. In other words, God will do it, but we have to get through the suffering. So that's the difficult part of this verse. But the good news and the one I want you to hold on to this morning is that our inheritance is God himself. Nothing else will satisfy. That's why I love the music this morning and what God was doing in that music. Abba, I belong to you. There's nothing better and nothing more satisfied. It's not just that we have a responsibility. We hear that often from preachers, and it's okay. It's not just that we have a responsibility to suffer so that we receive this promise, but it's like, it's more than that. It is a condition that this has to happen. We have no choice. God has called us to that life in this world. But the reward is so great. Paul will say, I can't even, I, I, no way is the sufferings that we experience in this world even worth comparing to the glories that are being revealed to us. That's the next verse. Okay, we'll talk about that next week. Um, be faithful. Seek after God himself. Seek the very face of God. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, We are so thankful that you've promised us this great inheritance. 
that it, our inheritance is you. We couldn't, we couldn't be satisfied with anything or anyone else. And we're very thankful for all that comes with the, with, with the earth and the kingdom of God, the new creation and all those kinds of things. And we know that it's going to be just an incredibly joyful experience for us. But at the same time, Lord, what we really desire is you, and you will take nothing less from us. May we never take anything less than that from you. So bless this church and this community, and Lord, I pray that they would seek you with all their hearts, all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.